Hello and welcome to Amusement Sparks, the theme park design show. I've got two, count them, two other podcasters on this episode. These are the guys from the Cocktail Party Congress. Um, who are you and what do you do on your podcast? Ooh, I guess I'll start. Uh, I'm Dan Caves. I'm one half of the Cocktail Party Congress. Oh. I'm JT Andrews. Um, the other half, the other guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the Cocktail Party Congress. It's a it's a fun little podcast that we do. We're we're both heavily interested in politics and uh, current events and uh, big, big smart people issues that we decide to uh, approach them from another angle, and that is the angle of uh, what does a drunk person think about these things? <laughs> <laughs> what well, is it? We we test our constitution so America doesn't have to. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Testing the limits of our constitution so the country doesn't have to. Um, yeah, so we, we, we decided to start this podcast because uh, we're, we're both very concerned with sort of the, the dark turn that our political conversation has taken. And, um, you know, maybe we just need to loosen up and try to have difficult conversations uh, a little more easily these days. And that's why we decided to institute a three-drink minimum on our podcast and that we take that dead seriously. Very much so. What do you guys do professionally? I'm so I'm so curious as a as a listener. I'm an industrial electrician at a steel mill. Wow. And I am a document scanner for a medical center. Like it, it seems like you guys could be professors or something. You know what I mean? Like you're mm-hmm. so you seem so comfortable with the content, and it's not like you're you're making a reach or you're trying to like wedge in this one fact you know. It's just like it's so conversational, and that's after three cocktails. Like that's yeah, pretty that's, wild. That's possibly because of the three cocktails. <laughs> sure, <laughs> it sure. loosens us up. Um, while we're on the topic, um, so you guys have both always been interested in politics, or like, what are your like uh, your political uh, origin stories, so to speak? I can't remember a time when I really wasn't interested in what was going on in the world around me. I mean, when I was really, really young, one of the first news stories that really sticks in my head is uh, the conflict in Bosnia, uh, when that was going on in the early 90s. Um, And I remember being very young, listening to all the grown-ups talking grown-up talk, and I was like, what are they talking about? And the more I listened, the more I learned. And it sort of got me into politics. That's great. Yeah, having your eyes open is always a good thing, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Cool. What about you, Dan? Probably the most important moment in my early political awakening was September 11th, and that that, that like that was one of the first first major events that I was like mentally online for, and I don't know if it awoke something in me or if it was it just like developed something that was always already going on in me at the time, but like it like triggered and like a leadership reaction in me. And I like oh. I got very conservative as a young person. Like I was exposed to a lot of like very effective propaganda that you know we all kind of vaguely remember from the early two thousands and uh, all too well the the entire Bush era. And uh, you know what I. You know, I started getting really interested in partisan politics and in the war on terror. I started out uh, like by the time I got to college, I was, um, you know, founding and presiding over college Republican clubs. And but all along the way, learning about myself in the process to the point that by the time I got out of college, I was essentially a lapsed Republican 
and and like mm-hmm. now I'm not re- registered with any party, and I really don't know if there's a home for whatever my particular ism is. But I, I like my political journey began as a very closed-minded person who then went on a little bit of a journey to have that mind opened up to the point that like now, like I said, I'm not registered with any party. I just got admitted to law school and I'm going to be going to do something less, uh, less in the partisan realm as far as that goes. So I'm trying to find um, a more ethical way to be part of the orderly functioning of our Republic. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a small R Republican is the way I describe myself now (laughs) is like, I, I believe in the institutions and I, I try to immerse myself in the philosophy that is supposedly behind them and then to not be afraid to question the reality versus the story that we tell ourselves about, uh, about our, our system and about our history. And, um, that doesn't make me a very good team player as far as party politics goes. <laughs> right. I haven't quite found a home, which is why that. we're carving out our home. I feel like a lot of people in are in that podcast. space. Yeah. There's a lot of, yeah. a lot of room for nuance in between the two extremes or the, mm. not, not even extremes. Sorry. The two parties. So once you reject isms, your life, a lot of things in life become a lot easier, a lot simpler, but the way you express yourself about those opinions, it bec- actually becomes harder. Um, you lo- you lose out. You like leave the party. You lose out on the primary votes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's like you're you're learning to stand on your own, which is which is hard, but also very empowering once you figure out what what's going on, how to do that. Yeah, that's and cool. terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit terrifying. terrifying. And congratulations, Dan. That's that's exciting news. I heard that on the the latest episode of your show. I was like, that's yeah, amazing. You. Like you've got kind of a, a future in the field, and that's very exciting. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to be a functional part of the system again. Sweet, <laughs> gonna be awesome. good. Mm-hmm. Cool. Good. Good things on the horizon, including building an amusement park. Yeah, yeah. So why? Yeah, why are you that. guys on my show? Like, <laughs> my show is a a theme park design show that's you know like all ages, and yours is a, a political discussion show that requires at least three drinks. You know, it's like. Pretty- <laughs> opposite ends of the spectrums but i really like your show you know we're we're connected to each other we want to work together so let's let's try to do my thing which is to make a theme park and you guys could pick from any any topic in the whole world you know i've done um everything from certain like musical albums to all time kinds of cartoons i've done the survivor tv show what 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 are you guys interested in what do you want to make a, a theme park based on hmm. i think i think dan had a really good idea and uh it's something i i want to pursue <laughs> let's hear about this so, what is it Dan? so so uh what i am gonna propose just to just to keep it in with the cocktail party congress tie-in yeah uh, like now to answer a question ago that you sure. just asked sure sure why are we on your show well yeah. because politics is Riddled with absurdities, and half the <laughs> half of the fun, half the fun is uh, is like putting those absurdities under a magnifying glass and just examining them and just seeing why we ever believed that in the first place. So uh, the idea for a theme park is Utopia Land, a land of, uh, of like an Epcot center of different high-minded political philosophies and (laughs) if we could like like design attractions around like 
each section of the park represents a different ism and we can like <laughs> talk about what would what would be required of each of them and you know I don't know how how vast you want this to be. It could be a sprawling wasteland for all for all <laughs> no, we know. That's just the anarchy park. That's that's how you just <laughs> Yeah. That's the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Even the par- Where there's, it all there's no the lines. Lot. There's no lines at this parking lot. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. If if you follow like the park rules in each each area are dependent upon that that isms you know rules or uh, or priorities. That's that's really crazy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, this definitely sounds like one of the most like off the wall ideas ever. Which I'm totally up for a new a new challenge. I do think that a lot of people are kind of afraid of politics or, um, you know, they're like, that thing makes me feel stuff that I don't want to. So I'm going to avoid it. Like, I think that's a relatively common, uh, you know, perception. So making it something more inviting, like a theme park, that is maybe a way you can learn about politics and and be immersed in it. And kind of like you said, like make fun of it or like understand how bizarre parts of it are um, would be a good thing. It would bring, bring politics to more people's uh, plates and into their conversations. And I don't know, it might be like a good kind of outreach for, for the political system in general, which is, which is a really weird idea. And like, that's a big agenda for a dumb theme park, but um, I know (laughs) let's see what we end up with. It's a pretty uh, capitalist thing in general to make a, a theme park, you know, charge an admission and, and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know. I think we can try to do do service to it. Treat it like um, it's you know like a museum or like a, even like a children's museum because it's got to be more interactive. Yeah. But we oh to, yeah. Yeah. I, we need to include a lot of content in here. It's it's going to be kind of interesting. Usually, it's easiest to start by like drawing a rough outline of the park's map and then zooming in from there. Yeah, for sure. Well, well I, I think to get from point A to point B, you're going to need some kind of like uh, tramway or like a like a miniature train. You could have the train of enlightenment, where you get like <laughs> you get some guy dressed up like a you know 18th century French philosopher at, at the, the helm of this thing. I think that the tour guides should all be actors playing different political philosophers through the years. So like, so like you can have like a, like a John Locke train or you can have a Machiavelli train or like an Aristotle train. So like there's a, there's a different, like, uh, like heavy personality kind of political philosopher, like giving you the entire spiel along the way. And And maybe you'll get a different story depending on who you have, like who you get. (laughs) Right. I do think that the, uh, the actors playing these, these train conductors, could be really fun like it could be like kind of a jungle cruise kind of thing where where the employees get to kind of um make up their own like jokes and you know like depending on which character they're playing there could be different different types of of humor and of parts of the park that they like to emphasize and point out and just just like hearing their commentary would be kind of cool and that will get our attendees to come back because for all they know they're going to get a very different park experience with Aristotle as opposed to Karl oh, Marx. Absolutely. You know? and, and Collect the, them all. For as huge <laughs> of a, a system that, that politics is, it is also a very human thing. And the, oh, yeah. the kind of flavors are very much nuanced by whoever is cooking the soup that day. You know, it's like you might be talking about the same thing, but sharing it from a different perspective makes it look different. And, and that's part of the beauty of it. So having as many different diverse kinds of opinions and perspectives represented, um, you know, the better. So 
that'd be really cool. I like the, the mm-hmm. idea of, of having a wide swath of, um, you know, various political persons who can be, be representative personalities. That, that sounds really cool. I would love to get like, uh, the lesser talked about, uh, topics in on this too. Like, uh, I was, I was thinking about, about like, uh, the Weimar Republic and how you could, uh, try to get something going with there. I feel like that section of the park would almost be, uh, very much inspired by works of Fritz, Fritz Lang, very metropolis looking, you know, something yeah, that like old like, German silent kind of like, Tim, where Tim Burton got a lot of his inspiration. Yeah. yeah. Right. But yeah. like sort of how they, they almost wanted to be like the, the, almost their image of the future. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That is an amazing idea for the theming. Like it's, if the, if the park is kind of about utopia, each of these different isms has a different version of what that looks like. So that totally yeah. leads into the theming. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah. Like the, the kind broke- of communism area would have like uh you know, just kind of brutalist architecture and very like, straightforward concrete buildings everything's the same color and that, that that sounds really fun i'd feel bad if it was like the you know the snack vendor where it's like uh coming soon guys uh, it's, it's on its way <laughs> <laughs> oh no it's like the what it, that would have to be the one area of the park that doesn't serve food that's, that's really good and i do think just to be be sensitive and be respectful before we actually open the doors we'd want to have some some experts in the field of each of these isms uh kind of give their input on you know what what color the walls should be and you know just the kind of art the art deco-ness of certain areas or whatever you know the specific theming of the architecture should be signed off and and is this joke okay or are you guys still heard about that or you know that kind of thing yeah Yeah, you get it cleared with historians yeah for sure yeah there's some there's some things that are still taboo that you really shouldn't put into a theme there are especially when there's kids there right right. well well the way i've heard it put pj o'rourke the comics like the satirical journalist uh he says that the one rule for making a joke out of politics is don't joke about human suffering but feel free to joke about the persistence and error i like there that there you go that goes yeah. right along with uh, kind of you know political cartoons and and criticism and stand-up comedy and all of the things that that reference politics in that kind of kind of way pointing out the absurdity of it like that's that's kind of what life is about i think so that that sounds awesome it fits perfectly in a in a theme park and you just put it perfectly andrew it's a it's like an interactive political cartoon yeah, I think there that's it, man. Yeah. Wow. That's that's pretty exciting. And hey, I mean, even if, if we don't get the budget to make the actual theme park, if that doesn't get approved, we could at least do like a cool themed restaurant where all the different waiters are uh, various like political figures from history. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of a ride. I mean, you could do this for whatever real history, like uh, whatever historical period you want. But whenever there was like a great, power vacuum uh left there could be an absolutely insane like tilt-a-whirl ride where with like each one of the cars looks like a different historical figure they're all trying to, to uh grasp power uh yeah. after the death of whoever it happened to be at the time that kind of a, a battle royale thing like a sort of a combative <laughs> uh metaphor works well for a lot of different attractions like that like that'd be kind of fun 
be a great place to play Secret Hitler. <laughs> oh, yeah. That game is great. And, yeah, there's a lot of that those kinds of game. social games we could try to adapt to be to be different experiences and stuff. Um, cool. So we've got the, the, the sort of train system. We have the different themings of the different areas. What do you guys want to talk about next? Do you want to do, like, specific attractions? Do you want to do more of the, the big picture bird's eye view kind of stuff? Or what, what are you interested in talking about next? With the food, there needs to be, like, a huge uh, variety, um, yeah. I think, just representing all these yeah. different cultures. I'm just picturing the overall structure. Like, if we've got the kind of – there's a perimeter tram vehicle. Maybe towards the middle, there's, like, some kind of body of water, and then we could have, like, a ring of, like, the restaurants around there. It's kind of a little inspired by the Epcot area, I suppose. Yeah. But, yeah. but just having, like, a nice, um, more – peaceful kind of like world peace area in the middle where it's like well, this is where we all kind of come together and share borders right here and everyone's eating and kind of looking at this pretty water it might be nice to have like a place that's kind of a break from the political discussion and from exploring the isms to just be like and then this is where everyone breaks bread i mean it's a very diverse place like there's uh, foods representing all these different cultures you can kind of go around and experience those different foods and then as you're ready to get back into the more political stuff, you can go back into the main part of the park, which is that that donut area in that space. Yeah. I don't know. Something no, like, I like that. that. I like that structure. Like the, the central common area could be structured, like could be modeled after the UN or something like oh, that. Oh, that's like, really cool. Do you envision the, the park guest being like a museum guest or do you think they should play some specific kind of role? Like, should there be role playing kind of area? Like, um, you know, a model UN or like a model legislature or, or something like that. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'd love to see something like that or like um, or even uh, a stage show uh, or several of them where you get to see their politics in action almost, where you see uh, the politics of the time and the period, depending on which area of the park you're in, each has like sort of an assembly where you have actors doing it and they try to get the, the audience participation where it's like, it's almost like going to uh, Congress and actually looking in and seeing the lawmakers in action. They wow. just have this constant thing going. Yeah. And do you want that to be of um, depicting like key pivotal moments in history? Like, um, you know, the signing of the declaration, for example, like that kind of thing, or should it just be like every day um, we're voting on this specific house bill today? It, it should vary, I Ooh. think. It, it should vary a, a little bit. with, uh, but, but at the same time, it should be somewhat realistic as to yeah. what what happened. And it, it, the political beliefs of the time should really come into play. Right. I don't think any of this should be fantasy. But I think it, it could be, mm -hmm. um, if you focus on the kind of larger-than-life things that actually happened, it does kind of get that feeling of being a little bit cartoony, but I guess that's kind of the vibe of the park too. If we're trying to go for a political cartoon, right? Yeah. So hmm, like, we don't want it to be mundane. We don't want it to be like you're just flipping on C-SPAN or something, which might get a little well, bit. It might feel a little bit too real. Maybe in liberalism town, um, maybe you can have a council of like all the actors get together in a daily council to like debate and decide on like a matter of like policy like somewhere in the uh in the park so like ah oh, we're talking about like uh raising the tax on you know coca-cola by five cents you know we're gonna have like and then you'll have like a spirited like old town hall style like political debate in the town hall but it would be different in all of like in the different ism towns oh, like absolutely 
in communism land, you wouldn't have rambunctious political debate. You would just have posters telling you what Comrade Stalin <laughs> did today. <laughs> and, like every day, there might be like a new decree on every street corner or something like that, yeah. or like same thing could almost work in monarchy land. Oh, well, monarchy land, I think you would have to like make it a little bit like a Ren fair. Because yeah, that's yeah. what you think of when uh, you think of, it. especially yeah. like European monarchy is that. So you might have like a town crier come in and say, you know, whoever the king of monarchy land is, uh, you know, has just did this thing. And, you know, ain't that great? <laughs> <laughs> so you have like either you could this would work in either fascism land or communism land. But you just have a loudspeaker. Speaker that just blasts propaganda literally all day. Yes. <laughs> like, I love that. <laughs> somebody who's like really unenthusiastic about their job has right. to do this. Like, you could almost get Ben Stein to do it, but <laughs> <laughs> that's a little too happy. <laughs> that's great. You could uh, learn to like march in formation and uh, enjoy all the, all the joys. I mean,. Of praising the dear leader. <laughs> Sounds great. Oh, there's a question. Um, do we want this to be an English language park, or do we want it to be more authentic? Like, I feel like we kind of have to do the thing that movies do, where it's like this is a, a movie about a historic time period that wasn't speaking English, but it's for an English-speaking audience. So you know, like we can make that leap. So should we do the same thing here? You think, or do you have to learn sure. these languages or try to make hmm. do with uh, what little Russian you know? I think it should be English language. Yeah, depends yeah. on where the park is. I mean, if it's oh, yeah, exactly. In, if it's in an English-speaking area, then yeah, have it in English because we want this. We're supposed to be the marketplace of ideas. I mean, yeah. it it doesn't do very well if nobody understands one another. So I'd yeah. say that the local language would be what it, what it should be in. Although, if we were gonna, if we want to go full like League of Nations, let's pick a common everything. We could make the official language of the of the uh, of the park Esperanto. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, so everybody wow. gets like an Esperanto to English dictionary. Like that's that's great. That's pretty cool. <laughs> because I mean, yeah. That's, Saluton. That's. <laughs> it's a good idea. Okay, um, but we could do kind of the the United Nations thing of like there's just a ton of translators everywhere, like ready to uh, help you understand what everyone else is saying around you. It'd be exhausting, and that's a lot of expense, but um, it'd be and kind the of authentic. In fascism and communism lands, like, the translation isn't at all, all like, what was actually <laughs> said. <laughs> and oh, that has dude. to be obviously so. Like, obviously so. Yeah. Yeah. That's like so, somebody well, comes, like somebody comes up in duress and like makes a heartfelt appeal to you, and so the translation that comes in over the headphones is like, "Yes, yeah, so it is another beautiful day in our glorious." <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's and I and I bid you welcome like, and a quiet stay. <laughs> I, w I was thinking of like Charlie Chaplin in in the Great Dictator, like when, when he's. Uh, first scenes where he appears pretty much as Hitler and uh, he's given his speech and you have the translator <laughs> and it's like yes for the, the entire world is nothing but peace in his heart <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty you know, th things like that. that that would be funny yeah that's really great there's a lot of room for for really good jokes in that space right there 
And right. even if we do make it, you know, let's say this park is, is based in America, so everyone is speaking English, you could still have those kind of translation jokes where, you know, when it's when it's necessary, when it would be really funny if the translator is, like, is changing things pretty drastically. Or honestly, that might kind of show the the sort of communication breakdown that happens when you go through a translator, where you can right. hear the original person because they normally would be speaking Japanese, but right now they're speaking English because we're in America, and then the translator tries their best to translate that to English and it comes off a little bit differently. And you're like, Oh, my Mm -hmm. thoughts about this person who's actually speaking is totally shaped by the translator. Who's trying to like instantly translate everything. Like that's a really hard thing to kind of break down. Like that's a difficult problem to try to solve, you know? Oh yeah. It's really cool to kind of illuminate that a little bit. Pull up Google translate, pick a random language say something in English to it and then have it translate and then translate it back and keep doing that back and <laughs> forth. <laughs> it's like a game of telephone, but it's really funny. Some of the things you get, I've done that. And you're totally right. Like that is so weird that even, even Google translate the technology, which should be the solution to that problem has huge breakdowns when you start going back and forth. It, yeah. You're yeah. Right. And like what a hard job it is to actually do that in the circumstances. Like if, if you've ever seen, uh, like whenever the UN meets and you watch something like that, you get to hear, you know, your your language's translator come over the uh, come over the audio and like yeah. they're struggling. Right, they're, they're struggling. They like that's high stakes stuff. That yeah, is, whew, you do not want to like flub your vocab on that. You, uh, <laughs> yikes! What about um, dictatorship <laughs> land? Uh, how's that gonna go? It's like the one part of the park you feel obligated to go to. Or, like, you have no way to get around it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just, everybody's miserable <laughs> the whole time. So maybe Dictatorship Land would... It's a great name. Dicta- <laughs> I think that what you would want for that is you would, like, roll all of them into this one area. And so, like, different types would be different sections. So, like, in the Soviet section, you'll... Or, or, they, or maybe just in all of the Dictatorship uh, Land... You would have um, amusement park employees dressed in that way, where they are obviously spies trying to look plain clothes. Nice. Like if you watch a world, like if you watch an Indiana Jones movie, and you can always tell the Gestapo agent. Oh yeah, because yep. they're trying so hard to not look like a Gestapo agent. <laughs> There's the the like the kind of like fun absurdity of it, but also like maybe give people a sense of what it kind of feels like. Uh huh. I like that. There, there should so be always a border being crossing. Watched. There yes. should be a border crossing to get in. Oh man, that's interesting. Like, you should you should have to show your papers, like show your ticket that yeah. you are allowed to get in. Yeah, that's really cool. And people could give you a really hard time at certain sort certain border co- crossings. You know, they yeah. they're very like uh, they have high levels of scrutiny, and like they always have to call their supervisor, and it, it takes forever for you to get over there, or um, or they're like trying to get a bribe from you, and like. There's some some real places to kind of get some hands-on experience and like kind of make a statement about like the the hardships of of politics and about nations intermingling and all, you know there's a lot of uh, right. a lot of interesting yeah. points you can make there. You could almost have actors posing as, as like regular uh, park patrons, mm-hmm. and then at the border crossing, all of a sudden they're like taken away, never to be seen again. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, over there. <laughs> like with every tour group, there could be at least one plant 
Oh man. Yeah. Who there's like who point. always gets taken away. That's pretty yeah. cool. I like That's that. a great idea. And and maybe like it, within the story of the park, like maybe they realize that um representing dictatorship land is the most challenging part about it and like, you know, the, these people generally don't make great neighbors. They're always trying to take over like no matter what part of the park we put them in, they're trying to like take over their neighbors' territory and stuff. So maybe the dictatorship land area is more of like um more of those kind of experience sort of things like like you could maybe have an uh an attraction where it's like what if you were the dictator and you got to pick these decisions and then there are actors who show you what the ramifications would that of that would be or to show that basically there's no correct decision in a lot of these really heavy political decisions like mm-hmm. there's no right way to do it even if you were the president of the United States you couldn't fix all of these issues that you think you could fix by being president of the United States of America it'd be kind of cool to to do um kind of an interactive storytelling sort of uh, experience to kind of show just the, the hardships of the job. And even if you are the dictator, things don't always go your way. That's really cool. We could also just have dictatorship land, and it's more of like um, a little cartoonier version of that where they're not actually a threat to their neighbors, and it's more just kind of a day in the life of this kind of country or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're just yeah. kind of trying to cope with the fact that you live in a dictatorship. Like, for example, the restaurant at this place, like half the menu is just blacked out. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, we should pick a fictional fake dictator for this area. Yeah, where as many things in this area are a reference to him. I like that. All yeah, the streets are like named after great. him, and yeah, that's fun. Yeah, streets, so food, Avenue. food items. <laughs> yeah, so and so avenue, so and so boulevard, so and so lane. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. This would make a really fun theming for like an escape room doing uh doing one that's set in a, a fake dictatorship country. Um, so maybe like so many of the things that the the public has access to is is controlled by the government and you know what i mean like all the streets having the same name like imagine trying to solve like a puzzle a map based puzzle but literally all the streets have the same name they just have like you know different endings at the end or whatever it'd be kind of funny um that would be interesting yeah it'd be it'd be an interesting like uh artistic license it'd be an interesting theme to say uh you know there's there's so much less diversity and richness in in just the things that would be in this room you know it's a, a lot of of monotonous kind of or, or maybe this will work better in the communist area where so many of the materials are the exact same. So trying to solve puzzles with them and find clues are like, everything in this room looks the exact same. You know, this storeroom is just the exact same thing time after time. Um, yeah, there's no there's no diversity here. There's no difference between yeah. the items. I don't know. That's That'd be kind of interesting. And I think doing a sort of political-themed escape room might be kind of a fun thing, especially if you need to like rely fun. on clues from history or, you know, that kind of stuff would be kind of cool. It could be something like the escape room is you have been taken into the commissar's office for interrogation. He's left for a while. And now you have to like yeah. solve a puzzle based on like what's in the room. Like what like in this bureaucrat's office. Like what would <laughs> like get you out? Like and th- and that's the thing that's going to be most unsettling about it is that it's this completely unreal experience to, you know, Western people like us, but the room that it's set in looks like 
any other office. Right. It's, you know? it's not like the Oval Office yeah. or the, you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's cool. like it's like a kind of an alienating but empowering experience of like maybe the entire attraction is an escape room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I an like elaborate the, like yeah, stage yeah. by stage escape room and even where if you're it's not like technically an escape room there's like escape room kinds of elements because it would be weird if it's like you're locked in the leader of the country's office like why would that ever happen but maybe it is like you're touring it and you find like a little hint of a puzzle and if you can solve the puzzle you know you can get to whatever their their missile silo i don't know what you're trying to get with but it'd be kind of cool to not necessarily lock people in the place but have these kind of cool puzzles hidden around Ooh, ooh. building on that what if each tour group, like, different people are given different items in, like, a scavenger hunt that occurs across the entire spans of the uh, of the park? And yeah. so, like, there's something to find in, you know, the commissar's dacha that, <laughs> that like... You know, it, it it's like a little goal that you get a prize at the end or something. Yeah. That, that, that if you can if you can find like the the secret file or something like yeah. that, it incentivizes you to to pay attention and to try to engage with all of these different isms to try to find their little you know the little trinket or whatever the little doodad. Um, but yeah, the goal of it is to get people to pay more attention and to get more detailed and more uh, more interactive with it. So be more engaged. I think. That sounds really cool, and it'd be neat to get a reward from that. Yeah. There should be, like, you know how you got the big mascot costumes? They should get those to stage, like, boxing matches between ideologies. Wow. And, and they're always laying down, like, whenever they're smack-talking, they have to use, like, you know, a, pretty much attacking somebody's position. It's like... It's almost like debate manifested. That sounds the so cool. Like, do you remember um, Celebrity Deathmatch? Did you guys ever watch that yeah. show? Yeah. I'm thinking. Oh, yeah. I'm picturing something like that. Like, I'm even where like the uh, the announcers or whatever would be would be making jokes about like these two ideologies coming at ter- coming to terms with each other. <laughs> that sounds really great. I love that. Yeah, like I'm imagining a big cartoon plush Karl Marx versus like. <laughs> now the thing is, I can't like. When I imagine the mascot for, like, 19th century industrial capitalism, I am imagining Mr. Peanut. Like, <laughs> like the planter's peanut guy. Yeah. Uh, the, like, the caricatures can get kind of cuddly here. Yeah, you're right. Once they get to a certain cartoony level, it's like, I kind of want a stuffed animal of that. <laughs> like, the merchandising, man. <laughs> could be super cool. The merchandising is in is everything here right in capitalism land absolutely yeah that'd be cool if there's a store in every in every area but um you know capitalism land has just a huge store where you can get all of the like the fun stuff and then you know just like have it more more specific to what that specific ism would think is appropriate to sell in a retail store communism land i think would have things that are more like useful Mm -hmm. for sale as as opposed to utilitarian they're yeah. empty like you know very useful things it can almost be like uh be like walking into tractor supply or you know. right i was picturing like yeah. a, a navy yeah. surplus kind like... of store like these this is like the most practical backpack you can get but it's the only one we have hmm wow we've covered some fun stuff like this this yeah. honestly is way better than i thought it was going to be like this is so much more interesting <laughs> than i thought it was going to be
You guys have done awesome so far. What? What? Oh, thanks. Sure. What else are you thinking? Is there anything else you are dying to to talk about? I think we need a couple of rides. <laughs> yeah, amusement parks mm-hmm. tend to need those things. Uh, rides, <laughs> rides, rides. Okay. Well, maybe like Capitalism Town could have like the roller coaster of the markets. Uh huh. That's really yeah. fun. Um, Communism Land has a mirror image one, but it's always under construction. <laughs> Right. <laughs> they have a ride where you uh, you sit on a tractor and you just go down the field, uh, and then you turn around and come back. Then you, you can get off, and someone else. No, gets then to you turn. then you turn it around and go back the other way again and repeat <laughs> until you have met the quota. Yes, exactly. You finish the field, and then you're allowed to get off the ride. That'd be really funny if it's if it's like a mandatory twenty minute ride. It goes really slow. It's not fun. You actually have yeah. to steer it. But you can't get off until your field's done. There's just like a commissar at the edge of the field just like, (laughs) yep, nope, have fun until you're done. (laughs) Yeah, like Communism Land, I feel like, has this merry-go-round where all the horses look the exact same. None of them move. You you have to have a roller coaster, though, that's got like the craziest ups and downs ever. And just so you can ride, you know, Adam Smith's ride of capitalistic markets. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a cool idea, the the ups and downs of that. Yeah. And it could be even modeled after, you know, a certain course of history. It'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, like the the big the big plunge at the beginning is like nineteen twenty nine. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to get like really detailed into it, get the economists into a room and have them like chart out like a the percentage like, like the percentage changes in mm-hmm. in the markets for yeah. each of the different like booms and busts. And then, like, and then, like, translate that into like all the different like gradients of like ups and downs, so you can get like, okay, so this uh, this basic recession and this is just going to be very, very gentle, very gentle, but it's definitely you're still moving, and then you work your way up to 1929, and then it's like kaboom, you go down the big hill, yeah, and then that's kinda, that's where you gotta lay. Uh, you pretty much take the their charts from the economists and hand it right to the engineers. Yeah, like, exactly. we need you to build this ride. <laughs> Make it so. That's great. Whereas, the uh, the Great Depression could even be like a drop coaster, you know? <laughs> yeah, where you can like oh. hear uh, hear news stories and stuff while you're up at the top about like when things are going swimmingly, and then you can hear as you're starting to plummet, you can hear like it just reads like the newspaper headlines, and like you can hear little snippets of the the audio like from the newspapers or whatever it'd be kind of kind of interesting or maybe it's <laughs> playing on the ground for the people who aren't actually on the attraction so they can kind of understand the metaphor a little bit more it's pretty heavy-handed but it would be a roller coaster which is what these people want so oh yeah, yeah, yeah i feel Absolutely. like all the rides are like metaphorical in some way like, yeah. like what i was talking earlier with like the power struggle where it's just, it just goes round and round like a tilt the world really really fast I'm liking this. Yeah. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Oh, totally. This is super oh, yeah. fun. And, it's... like, I have, like, an idea that I had for, like, the liberalism <laughs> town. At the very beginning, you'll walk into, like, a 1700s, 18th century, like, French cafe. Everybody, like, everybody gets a powdered wig when you come in. And it's, like, <laughs> you get to sit in, like, this really, like, spirited, you know, origins of the Enlightenment and liberalism kind of like discussions and it's a place to sit down and have a cup of coffee and then you can kind of move on through the history of that to the point where at the end 
you're just in like this really sleek, shiny neoliberal gift shop. It looks like the uh, like the Apple Store or something like that. <laughs> nice. Something like like it all leads up to this. <laughs> That's great. We should do that as um, maybe the entrance to each area because you know the the sort of decor and the the theming is like that isms utopia. So maybe seeing its evolution uh, would be kind of cool as you're entering that area before you've even seen the theming and the architecture and all of that stuff you're seeing how they came to that decision of kind of that's what utopia means and so then by the time you get through the door you understand where this all came from yeah that's exciting yeah. that's really cool yeah i like that idea love it nice job I'd go there oh yeah i'd go too. to this park i, I i'm curious it makes me more curious about most of the isms you know what i mean like i've always had a little bit of curiosity about like what what other people believe that are different from my beliefs. Like hopefully all adults have that kind of uh, curiosity, but if there's a way to just go through it and learn about it in an hour and then go on to the next one, like that's really cool. It's, it's not like I have to go hang out with someone who I really don't like or something. It's like, there's an actual experience where I can get hands-on mm-hmm. experience and, and tour through it in a way, tour through its progression and learn about it in a way that's more interesting than reading a book on it or watching a, a YouTube video on it. Right. I feel like, all these different sections have to really demonstrate the pros and the cons of everything. Yes. Like, for example, uh, in in capitalism land, literally everything is supersized. <laughs> you can't get a small meal. The smallest possible portion is still extravagant. Yeah, yeah. it works really well for the uh, the capitalists. Yeah, we, you know, it's only 30 more cents for the huge one, and, so you have to buy the huge one. Yeah. And at the same time, you could have, like, you know, the, uh, the planted beggars in in capitalism land you know wow. that are they're always asking for something you know yeah. things like that where you're aware of the implications of, yeah. of excess and while we are pointing out the uh the kind of zaniness and the wackiness and the absurdity of it all there's also a lot of um poignant uh messages you can deliver as well and there can be some really powerful not really activism but like um outreach kind of for each of these isms and pointing out like why people believe this thing why people are are Mm. honestly into this with their their hearts you know we're all human beings with brains who have lived all of their experiences and people have somehow come to the conclusion that this is the best way so showing that progression is kind of cool yeah Yeah, i think i uh, I agree every single uh i feel like every single area of this park has to have a bookstore where they sell the literature that's associated with their perspective, you know, that's uh, cool. outlook. Mm. Like, uh, there, you find, you know, Capital and uh, you find the Communist Manifesto in, in Communism Land. Dictatorship Land is a little bit, eh, <laughs> you can get into some re- real, real legal trouble, probably. <laughs> uh, Possibly. It just wouldn't be worth it, but... And forget about the anarchist uh, uh, bookstore. <laughs> You're not allowed to sell that's any the, of those. That's the parking lot. The parking lot with no lines. <laughs> because you, you start and you end with anarchy. <laughs> All they sell is cookbooks. Right. <laughs> the department list is like just cookbooks. Oh, that's cute. You can sell you can sell books that not only represent but also critique those ideas. Yeah. Because yeah. that's like I think a willing, and that's something that I'm all for, is like a willingness to even consider ideas that you like. You know, you agree with a certain point of view, but you also acknowledge, like like you said, that there's a good reason why other people 
uh, believe the other way. So kind of like getting into the heads of and like learning about why they think what they think. Like and, and like in this case, like something that when in 2015 the copyright on Mein Kampf uh, expired and that copyright went away, they had to get ahead of all of the new publications of Mein Kampf there were going to be. So they got a historical society in Munich to create a version and it's like two i've got a copy in my bedroom it's like these two enormous tomes that are the entire original text of mein kampf including like a talmudic ripping apart of the text so it's like it's got a lot of like heavy margin notes and a lot of content like doing everything that's like humanly possible to like contextualize right everything that's right. in there and so and that part's without judgment right it's just making it more more full uh, a better picture yeah right? it's like yeah and and huh. it's uh like it's um historians giving the perspective yeah. on it's like okay so here's why he's saying things like this and here's what the historical context was and it's like here's how this turned out and so I'm sure that there are other books like that for he- like less heavy subjects. Yeah. That, like you could sell things that even contextualize. The number of, of history majors we would employ is, is incredible, you know, because there yeah. need to be people representing each perspective within each right. land in a way. Um, Reduced to carnies. <laughs> yeah, it'd be kind of fun, though. Like it, it's like living history. I mean, I know it's kind of a cartoonization of it, but. But you're you're exemplifying this political ism for a public who doesn't know about it but is curious about it. So I think it'd be really cool to be able to talk to part guests about like you know you should read this book if you if this is your perspective and if you don't understand why this person would do something like this, here are some really excellent reading materials I can recommend. Or we've got this documentary screening at 4 p.m. If you want to watch it, that would kind of explain this. Or yeah, there's a lot of um, connections you can make. A uh almost a bittersweet experience where mm. you see the satire, you laugh at the satire and uh, the caricatures of everything, but you also understand the lessons that you're being taught about history, like the, the context that everything is in. So in that sense, it, it should be bittersweet, but still an enjoyable and worthwhile experience. I love that word bittersweet for this part. Mm-hmm. Like that is such a good idea to like write that on the whiteboard and just leave it there because like, we do want it to be fun and, and entertaining and educational and funny, but yeah, like you said, they should represent actual people's actual beliefs. And when you go to the, the ism that you believe in, you don't want to feel like you're a victim. You want to feel empowered there and you want to be able to laugh at yourself a little bit, but not, not so much that you feel bad about your mm-hmm. beliefs necessarily. I believe in the absolute necessity of being able to laugh at yourself and your oh, own beliefs. Of course. No. Guys, this was really cool. And, and honestly, somewhat bittersweet there were funny moments and there were moments that made me consider a lot about you know these these other isms like i'm so much more curious than i was when we started this recording about about researching these belief systems and and why like their historical context and their cultural context i don't know i mean that's really cool i don't know that a after every podcast i want to research something but usually that means watch a few episodes of some kind of cartoon like this is a way bigger deal <laughs> this is a much more impactful uh, experience i'm really glad that uh, we could bring this to you and i'm I, you know this was a lot of fun to record with you yeah you know? dude for sure it yeah, was yeah this was i had a lot of fun with it and i'm glad you 
you felt like you either learned something or you felt like you have to go on to learn something, mm. which is how everybody should feel all the time. Yeah. Oh, like totally. every day, try to learn something new. Yeah. I love that. And if I could just add one last thing as far as the isms goes, and uh, the, the, this thought just occurred to me, is that I think we're, especially in our current climate, where we run into trouble is when people take on their isms as a personal identity. And I think that that's where a lot of the animosity comes from, is when you hear someone attacking a policy position that you might have, it then becomes an attack on the self. And that's where I think some of the emotion comes from. And isms make terrible identities, but they're good descriptions of things. So if you look at the ism as just a description of what's already going on, and you know maybe you will agree with this or that or the other thing, but like that is, I think, healthy, but it's less healthy to elevate the ism to the point of it being conflated with the self and the identity. So take a step back. Remember that you're only human and, uh, you know, do your research and consume as much information as possible. And eventually the truth will come out. Beautiful. That's Mic so drop. true. <laughs> I, I, I can't think of a better way to wrap that up. I mean, that, that's, that's it. <laughs> Yeah, that was awesome. And it relates back to the the top of the show when we were talking about like kind of kind of stepping out from that umbrella of of the the party, the two party system, you know, being being labeled Republican your whole life and then deciding to maybe step out a little bit from that and like test the the limits of it. And when you're not underneath an umbrella, you're you're going to get rained on a little bit more. But but if you're underneath the umbrella, you're kind of you start to get scared to branch out and you're you're you don't understand what it is to be not under this umbrella. It's hard to relate to people who are just walking down the street with no umbrella. It's like, what, what's wrong with you? Like get over here, be a Republican or, you know, whatever the specific ism. Um, yeah, man, that's, that's powerful stuff. Uh, nice work. Well put. Thank you. Um, so yeah, if, if a listener is intrigued by you guys and your, your political discourse, where might they go to hear more of that? Well, you could uh, go to cocktailpartycongress.com. That's our website. We are also on Facebook, and you can also download our podcast on iTunes and Google Play. I remember on the, the last episode of your guys' show, you were talking about how you have kind of stepped back from, from using Facebook that much, from posting that much, because you were like, yeah. if it's not worth doing a press release about, I'm not going to post about <laughs> it on Facebook. And then I kept thinking, maybe that's going to tie into the Cocktail Party Congress uh facebook page like that's going to be your new platform for making all of your press releases related to politics but yeah that could not be. yet maybe in the that future <laughs> i love your podcast but then again i'm an adult who's okay with swear <laughs> words so just a warning to the audience you guys do use adult language is that correct yeah about the only time we don't use it is during the moment of clarity, which is our the only sober part of our show we actually record that while we're sober I, um, I want to ask about that, actually. I'm glad you brought that up. The moment of, of clarity at the end is, is almost like a, a speech that, that one of you will give. You, you alternate, yeah. is that right? Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. we alternate. It's like, yeah. it's like one of us picks the cocktail of the podcast and the other one does the moment of clarity. So do you, um, do you write those? Like, How long do you usually spend on those things? Because they're beautiful. They're eloquent. They're well thought out. It seems like you got a speech writer to write them for you almost. We um, are our own speech writers. <laughs> great job. It's good to get a positive response. Dude, it's yeah. great. The the one you just did about like uh the student protesters, um 
I work, I'm a high school teacher, so on Friday we have all these, like, walkout uh, workshops that we're doing. It's an art school, too, so um, yeah. we're letting students do whatever okay. they want to, pretty much, but the teachers are going to have all these different, like, political activism workshops going on. Like, I'm in charge of, like, a, a phone bank room where students can go and, like, call political representatives, and I'm doing a workshop where we're making zines, and then we're going to photocopy them and distribute them to, like, the students and their families and stuff. Um, oh, so I don't know. Great. It's just exciting. It was cool to hear your perspective on that and like the level of respect that you brought to it and thoughtfulness. And I don't know. It was really cool. It reminded me of one of our social studies teachers who's who's just really really awesome and is kind of about actually making an impact and actually being thoughtful about people. And, and I don't know. It was just it, it yeah, struck a chord that... with me. It was beautiful. Those those at the end of, of your episode are always really great. And, and I feel like so many podcasts like the last like 15 minutes it starts to like i can tell when they're starting to descend and also like fast forward to the end and like delete the episode but with you guys it's like it doesn't seem to descend at all and then it's like okay oh it's over and then there's just like you just do like a home run it's like the the moment of of clarity is like they they shift gears and they just like knock it out of the park at the very end it's it's such a cool way to end the show i wish more podcasts weren't just about like let's just run ads at the end until everyone's stopped listening like that's yeah. that's no way to end a show come on that's that's kind of how we wanted to end it was uh, we wanted something that was heartfelt that, mm-hmm. that came from us. And that was just like, why, why don't we do a speech? Like, yeah. let's try to find some time to do a speech. It can be as long as you really want, like within reason, right. uh, but uh, let's give it a shot. Let's start doing these speeches. And uh, we, the way I did it is I, I try to limit myself to one typewritten page nice uh just just for the sake of time but yeah. all that comes right from the heart and it, it's really that sobering moment i mean we, we try to have fun with with our conversations but that's the real sobering moment that uh we're speaking directly from the heart yeah. it's really and, cool it really is valuable and like our theme park we're gonna have our fun during the episode we're gonna you know we're gonna crack jokes we're gonna be flippant and then <laughs> At the very end, it's a nice reminder that it's like, by the way, we're talking about some serious stuff here, you know? Yeah. It's up to us to fix the problems. Yeah. That's, it's yeah. up, yeah. It's up to everybody. And right. also, that includes us, you know? Yeah. That's right. That's we're... amazing. Thank you guys for doing what you do. Thank you for being on the show. That was awesome. I, uh, I wish you luck in your, your podcast future. It's exciting. Absolutely. Thank you. And uh, well, maybe we'll see you around the Cocktail Party Congress one of these days. I love being on the show. Uh, thanks for having us. This is a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you guys very much.